Uh, it's great uh, to be here this morning. And uh, yeah, Andy's got it right. This is like a refocus of uh, where we are at in terms of um, something of what we set out to do this year and uh, just pressing on in for the next term ahead, uh, really. And so in this whole year, we've been talking about, we've had this kind of prophetic phrase, but biblical phrase, because that's how the prophetic works, of pruning for fruitfulness. And uh, I want to just nudge that a little bit this morning, or, uh, and I want to talk about um, fresh wind, fresh fruit. And we've already heard that from uh, Katie, who came up this morning and brought that amazing word from Ezekiel. And uh, we're going to be going back there in a moment, Ezekiel 37. Um, so if you want to turn there and uh, have that ready, um, that would be great. So we've been in uh, John 15 for quite a long time over the summer. We started the year with it, and we went and revisited it. And there you'll... Uh, hear of how we can abide in the vine. And uh, verse five and six of that passage tells us that if you um, remain uh, and abide, or abide, the words are the same, in me, says Jesus, you will bear much fruit. Later on in verse 16, you you get the impression this fruit is, is, is fantastic fruit. It's fruit that will last, almost like reproducing fruit. And God's been calling us in this season to fruitfulness. He's been pruning. We know about that. He's probably going to carry on pruning. I think they come together. Um, He's been stripping away, I believe, everything else that would hinder us as we come to him that we can be fully for him and fully work out his purposes in our lives. So as we have learned about abiding, we've learned to slow down, haven't we? To slow, to be with him, for love and union, as we've heard that phrase. We've learned to rest, some of us, to Sabbath. Some of us have spoken and or been in the Bible for longer and just imbibing and meditating on him and his truth. We've been learning to wait, kind of speak less and listen more. We've been learning to remain conscious of him throughout our every day, wherever we go. And I believe as we do that, we'll hear him. We'll hear him clearer. We'll hear him more than we've ever heard him before. Both in the roar and in the whisper, as he seeks to change us from the inside out. And we recommended a book at the start of the year. I'm gonna bring some resources to you. I'm gonna bring some things that we're doing. I'm gonna point you to some places, as it were, over this message. We recommend John Mark Comer, who wrote that incredible book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you haven't read it yet, it's kind of, it's one of our two books for the year. So I'd encourage you to get hold of that. Keith Jones, other good bookshops. Have a read of it. It will help you in all of that. And what happens as we come to him, he changes us on the inside first. That's how it works. He works in us before he works through us. He shapes us. He forms us to become more like him. We become a follower, a disciple of him. And the things that he does, he causes fruit to 
come out of the internal aspects of our lives. The Bible calls it fruits of the Spirit, and we can read about it in Galatians 5. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And as those things change on the inside, and as we spend time with Jesus, there inevitably is an outward action. There is an inevitability that as you spend time with Jesus, you fall in love with him, that you fall in love with his people, and you fall in love with those who don't know him yet. We begin to love others more. We do life with him and for him. We serve others. We start ministries. We go on mission, and we bear fruit. And I believe God wants to take us into a new day of, of, of greater fruitfulness, fruit that will last. I believe primarily this is the fruit of salvation. I believe it's souls, like the ultimate fruit, people who come from death into life because of his good news. And I believe God's been preparing us for a harvest. As we spend time with him, we will get opportunities with others to share the hope that we have in him. But I look around. I look around, I look in, and I look at my own life, and I think, how fruitful am I? Uh, how much fruit should I be expecting? My prayer is, God, would you make me fruitful? But I, sometimes I feel so rubbish and so weak and so dry. And yet I have this passion to see others come to know him. I look at you lot. I love you lot. <laughs> you lot are amazing. This church is incredible. But sometimes I think, God, look, look at us. What, how fruitful can we be? We've already been fruitful, don't get me wrong. But I believe there's more fruit. There's a fresh wind that's coming upon us. And as I was uh, asking this question, can we live? How much fruit can we believe for? I started praying to God. I said, God, we need a fresh wind. We've got work to do. We've got a nation to reach. We've got a community, God, that you've put on our hearts to change. And I ended up in Ezekiel chapter 37 in that valley of dry bones. It's a very famous passage. And Ezekiel's a, 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 an Israelite priest, and he, God's using him as a prophet throughout the book. And the people of, of God, the Israelites, they have been taken into exile. The Babylonians have smashed them up. They smashed the city, the temple, and the people, and they've had to flee and they are in exile. It's a sorry state. For someone like Ezekiel, it's, it's hard to hear, hard to bear, hard to understand. And yet God brings him hope through this vision. And he says, verse 37, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit, and the Lord set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. God could have just let Ezekiel have a look at them 
from afar, he'd probably get a, a better understanding of how many bones were in the valley. But no, it says, he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Bones are dry. They're dry bones. And I love that he's being led in amongst the bones. I mean, I look at, at this nation, I look around me, and, and I walk through Boscombe, and I, sometimes and I walk to, into other places and, and into my social life, into pubs and along the streets, and I, I'm thinking, there are so many dry bones. This is, this is, where's the life here? And then God asks Ezekiel this amazing question. He says, son of man, can these dry bones Live? Can these bones live again? <sighs> Jesus and the Lord wants to bring life to our dry bones this morning. You see, in that valley there was once life because there were bones, but now there was death. In this nation, in a, a time where secularization is going crazy, when the economy is so unstable, when there's racial inequality, when there's economic instability, <laughs> this nation needs life and life to the full. God asked Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones, to say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, to these bones I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. God wants to bring death out of life. As Ezekiel started to prophesy the bones, they started to rattle. The bones started to come together. Tendons started to form around the bones and skin began to form around the tendons and the bones. And this dead valley came to life. That's the first prophetic word. And they're living, they're upright, they're walking by the sounds of things, but there's something more to come. God asked Ezekiel to prophesy again to prophesy to the breath and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. This is the second prophetic word, the unique breath, if you like, for the already living. And then there's one more prophetic word. It talks of the hope that the people will be restored, that he's going to bring them back to Israel, and he's going to settle them, it says, at the end of this section, is settle you in your own land, and I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken declares the Lord. Three prophetic words. Maybe your death, 
dead today. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe the life has been squeezed out of you through circumstances and situations. Maybe in this place today you've come in because you're looking for hope. There is life in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're, perhaps the majority of us, we're here but we feel dry. We kind of live in, we're going through the motions of, of living for God but there's, there's no spark. There's no breath of life. There's no Holy Spirit power to live out the new life. And maybe you're someone who's thinking about your purpose and you're, what am I here for? And what have you got for me, God? Well, I begin, I believe God wants to bring a fresh wind that's gonna bring a fresh life to us that will bring fresh and greater fruit. I wanna talk just in terms of this breath of wind. It comes back at Pentecost. Jesus comes, he dies on the cross. Uh, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit himself, walked in the Spirit. When Jesus rose from the dead, the first thing that he did was to breathe, the Bible tells us in John 20, on his disciples. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, verse 2, Pentecost. This amazing moment where what Ezekiel had prophesied and others had came to pass and came to fulfillment when those in the upper room experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time. We read this, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind that came from heaven and filled the whole house. At that moment, the disciples and the others that were gathered there transformed, transformed from people of fear to people of courage. I want to highlight a few things through the, the Gospels of Acts, just to, uh, sorry, the, the book of Acts, just to kind of bring this home, helps for us as we see people putting this into practice with the fresh wind of God in their lives. Peter and John, Acts 4, verse 13. They just healed a crippled beggar <laughs> outside the temple gates. The Sanhedrin, the priests and the Pharisees had called them to account. They were, uh, in a sense, under the authorities' uh, role, reign, to, to help them to stop talking about Jesus. And they say, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. Do you know what that unschooled, ordinary men translates to in the Greek? It's agramatos idiotes. Agramatos idiotes. Now, I'm no Greek scholar. But when I heard this, I thought the Bible translators have been kind. <laughs> agramatos, unschooled, great. Idiotes. Ordinary, 
ignoramus, had no knowledge, maybe. Do you know what? I take encouragement from that, and so should you. But what I want to point out, where have they been? No, they hadn't gone to the gym to get physically strong. They hadn't gone to the magazines or to the internet to seek the stars for their purpose and destiny. They hadn't been to the bank to find more money to buy more stuff. Not even Wikipedia. They hadn't gone to Instagram and social media. They haven't even gone to Bible college, it seems. Where had they gone? Where had they been? They'd been with Jesus. Fresh wind brings life. Philip, Acts 8. We read, these are potted stories. You can go back and have a look at them. I'm not telling the whole story, I can't. The spirit, it was an angel actually, who said to Philip, go south to the desert road. When he got there, he met an Ethiopian. The Holy Spirit said, go to the chariot and stay near it. Philip goes to the chariot. He finds the Ethiopian, who's a a well-to-do guy, just coming back from Jerusalem. He's reading Isaiah, and yet he doesn't understand it. Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I? With no one to help me understand. (laughs) Philip began with that passage, and he led the Ethiopian through to making a confession of Jesus as he understood the Gospels, as he shared his faith with him. And he was born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. Fresh wind, fresh fruit. What about Cornelius? Acts 10. Cornelius uh, was a God-fearing man, the Bible tells us. It says he prayed to God regularly. He was given a vision, presumably in one of his prayers, to go and get a man. This man's name was called Peter. And so he, in obedience, sent some people to go and get Peter. Peter, we've already heard of Peter already. He had a vision. Why? Because he was spending time seeking God with Jesus. He was given a vision to go and meet Cornelius. They come together. And long story short, Peter's vision was that actually this gospel is for everyone for Jew and for Gentile, for everybody. There's no one excluded to God's word and his love. He goes to Cornelius' house. Whilst he's explaining to Cornelius something of the full gospel, the whole house, Cornelius had invited friends and relatives, were filled with his spirit. Fresh wind, new life. One more, Barnabas and Saul, Acts 13, the church in Antioch. What were they doing? They were worshiping. They were praying. And they were fasting. And the Holy Spirit said there were prophets there, there were teachers there. The Bible tells us. And it says, set these two, Barnabas and Saul, apart for me, for the work which I have called them to do. They were in one place, and in that very moment, They were sent to another place. There's a line. After they had prayed, they sent them off to do the work that they had called 
God had called them to do. Fresh wind, fresh fruit. Unschooled, ordinary, agramatos, idiotes. Ordinary men and women like me and you, but in the hands of a supernatural God and with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do great things for him and God will lead us to those great things. He can bring about a mighty harvest. Those that were dying now living, lasting soul fruit that will reproduce and reproduce and reproduce. I just want to bring two kind of common themes that come out of all of those examples that I've quickly hit on in Acts. I encourage you to read them. First one is compelling prayer. These guys were with Jesus. They regularly, just like Jesus, took time aside to be with the Father. This is abiding. This is remaining. It's not new. We've been learning about it all year in some ways. But it is crucial. It's where it all starts. And it's where we go back to every day. It's being with Jesus. It's communing with him. It's everything I've said already. It's asking. It's listening. It's meditating on his word. Katie's word was so helpful. It says in Psalm 1, doesn't it? Those who meditate on my word day and night are like a tree planted by streams of water. And their leaves will never wither, but they will bear fruit in every season, fruit that will last. I want to talk about your prayer life, your relationship with Jesus. And I want to thank God for it. And I want to ask you to think about how you pray, because we all pray to some degree or another. And I want to think about, I want you to think about prayer plus one (laughs) for this next term. Whatever prayer looks like for you right now, I want you to think about What's next for you in prayer? Extraordinary prayer. No one gets away from it, I don't think. Jesus into the wilderness. Each of these people seeking him in their place for their time. I look at the psalmist and I see how they petition God. And I see how they almost rant and rave in their honesty. And it shocks me. And I ask, do I pray like that? I look at the time some people I know spend in prayer with God. And I ask myself, how much time do I give God? And I want to pray that this fresh wind would give us a burden to pray, a burden to commune with him, to hear what God is saying, so we can act it out. 
What's God laying on your heart at the moment? What have you heard from him recently? We can pray personally. We can pray in twos and threes. Our DNA groups help that and facilitate that around the world. We pray corporately, together as a whole church. Love you to October 12th is our next Cultivate event. Love you to come. We worship God. We pray. Wait on him to see if he might want to set some of us apart for another work. Prayer meetings like that are exciting, right? And scary. I understand. I'd rather be in one like that. Second thing, coming out of these stories, courageous action. You see, compelling prayer comes first. Courageous action comes second. As we hear, we put it into practice and we're obedient to what God has said. very easy to hear God. That's not actually. I <laughs> take that back. When we do hear God, it's not always easy to put it into practice, is it? I believe God wants to get us from hearing to then thinking, well, what am I going to do about that? <laughs> How do I put that into practice? to step into the adventure of faith in the area that God is calling me. Maybe it's praying for the unsaved. Maybe it's praying for those who are in pain and difficulty. Maybe it's new and greater gifts or just stirring up the ones that you used to use, the gifts of the Spirit. Maybe God's been speaking to you about a particular people group. I was struck on our How to Share Your Faith first evening on Wednesday with Chris Kilby. He spoke about there's, there's, there's nowhere that the gospel can't reach and there's no one that the gospel can't transform. And he said maybe there are communities here, pockets of people who are completely overlooked. Maybe God's stirring you with those people. Maybe you've been wondering if you could lead a life group or not. By his grace, with help of others, you can. Life groups are key for us. I want to just emphasize them again this term. They're key places for us to become more like Jesus, to be a disciple and to help make other disciples go in together Life in Jesus, life in community, and life on mission together. My prayer is that there are these life groups truly are places where people find the life of God when they see the life of God in you, who are with others, working out what it means to follow Jesus. As they went, the Bible says, and they were scattered because of the persecution, they preached the gospel. It's my sentiment that the good news is always good news. 
but that in these days, for some people, it has never sounded better. Society is broken. It's time for us to rise up as a mighty army, dry bones pulled together, tendons, flesh, covered with skin, and then breathed upon today and each day by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's time to speak up. It's time to speak out. It's time to show and tell to your friends and my friends, colleagues, family, that God is good. He's the hope for this nation, for your life. And that you can know him personally. Our queen, bless her, has given us an incredible example, hasn't she? I think it's poignant in these days. The amount of change, but the voice that she had. Lord, help us. <laughs> help me. Needs courage. It's going to require boldness. But it's part of why we've been given breath to be able to speak it to others. And with that in mind, I really want to recommend this term. A couple of things. The Sharing Your Faith course, we've started it on Wednesday. If you didn't manage to get there, we want to help you. We want to tool you up together as we go on this journey. Uh, we had a great session on Wednesday. Another one this Wednesday, 7.30. Different speaker, Dub Everett from the Welcome Church uh, in Woking, going to serve us well. Um, sign up if you're going to come just to help us with numbers. You don't have to re-sign up if you already signed up. You just come again. And with that in mind, the resource for this term is this book, How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. <laughs> it's a really good book. We're selling them at the back just for £10, pay as much as you can or more if you want to, so that will help all of us to get a book. You can do it on the contact list, on the back desk. We want to help you, we want to equip you. And Sam Chan, who writes that, equips you very well in that area. If you haven't read a book on reaching others and how to reach out and how you personally can do that with your friends, neighbors, and colleagues, I would encourage it. And then something to potentially bring people to as we talk about a culture of invitation here. We know it's not always easy, but this guy, Benedict Atkins, he's got an amazing story. And on um, October the 6th, uh, we're having a, a food meal, two courses um, in this place with as many of you and as many as your friends, neighbors, colleagues that you can invite. Okay, he's going to tell his story. We're going to interview him. It's going to be inspiring. Uh, he, he was a Satanist. He's now a vicar. Uh, he's a very down-to-earth guy. He'll be funny, um, and he loves Jesus, and he'll want to do uh, the best that he can on that evening, um, and so will we to create a great environment for your guests, and that will knock into Alpha, 
which will start the following week. So everyone who comes to that will get an invitation to Alpha. So it's one to start praying into. It's one to start boldly thinking about as we go forward. Okay, I'm coming to the end. One story. Just last week, I'd done a football run, got out of the car. It was late, about half past six, seven. I was hungry. I'd done a full day. I got out of the car on my driveway. I looked across the road. There was a guy sat on the steps of some flats who I've never met before. I think I might have seen once or twice. And I was about to walk up my path into my house. And I got a nudge. Go and say hello to that guy. So I went and said hello, went across. You know how much courage it takes to walk across that road? He was sat on the steps looking at me. I was going into my house. I turned around. I'm like, right, I'm going. I'm going, God. I hope you're coming with me. And I introduced myself. I said, hi. He said, hi. I said, how long have you been living in the neighborhood? He said, 20 years. I felt embarrassed. I said, well, it's finally great to meet you. <laughs> he said, um, what do you do? I said, I lead a church. <laughs> what do you do? He said, he does software and design and stuff. And then he said, I've never met a proper religious person. And I said, well, I'm your proper religious person? No, I didn't. <laughs> I said, I don't think of myself as religious. Anyway, long story short, and in that, my wife put her head out the door, and she said, Russ, your dinner's ready, tea's ready. It's on the table. It's on the table. It's like, Catherine... Sorry, that's a horrible caricature of my wife, and it's not true. <laughs> she is amazing. And what I felt like saying, my food is the will of the fathers. And when I'm ready here, this is my food. I'll come and have my dinner. No, I didn't. Anyway, all I'm saying here is, you don't have to go across the world to be a missionary. Sometimes you just have to cross the street. And I believe God wants to help us and fill us to be this people. He's the man I'm thinking about inviting to this now. He's on my prayer list. Compelling prayer, courageous action, fresh wind. Lord, please. And fresh fruit. I wonder if the band could come up. Why don't we stand together? You know this is all about the Holy Spirit, don't you? You know it's about the Spirit working in us that causes us to love Jesus and love God with all our hearts and souls. 
that enables us to love others and helps us in the moments to do it. You know, all over this summer, I've, I've felt this word, the breath of God wants to breathe on you. I've seen it in the crops where I felt the wind on my back and then I've seen it move through crops as they swayed, as the wind has caught them and the sunlight has meant that there's a different shade on the ones and I can see where the wind is. I've seen it in the water. We holidayed in Tunisia and I stood in a tropical storm. Everyone, Everyone else had ran for cover and I was like, God, would you come? I tell you, he wants to breathe in you. He wants to put life in you. He wants to raise your dead bones. And let's be honest, some of you feel like death this morning. He wants to raise your bones to life. <laughs> Hear the word of the Lord. Live, dry bones. Live. <laughs> some of you have never never truly encountered like an an overwhelming sense that God loves you by the power of the Spirit. He wants to do that to you today. He wants to do these stuff in us over this whole season, over this whole term, I believe. As we gather in, He's going to reveal Himself. He's going to put breath in us. And I believe he's going to start something here today. And so I simply want to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. I don't want to manufacture anything. I don't want to, I'm not going to do that thing in my mic where it sounds like the wind. Because I want it to be him. And I want you to encounter him. So Holy Spirit, pray for your fresh wind amongst us right now. Lord, where we're dry and weary, would you bring fresh life? Where we're emotionally broken, as that word came earlier, would you put us next to a stream of living water? fresh ministries being birthed in this place, Sunday by Sunday, life group by life group, prayer meeting by prayer meeting. There's transformative life in you to bring transformative life to others, to play your part in the harvest. There's a song called Rattle, where it says, I can, this is the sound of the dry bones rattling as the bones come to life. I love that song. Why don't you listen to it this week? It says, my God, in that song, it says, he can save, he can deliver, he can heal, he can restore anything that he wants to. 
He says, since when has impossible been a problem for you, God? It's no problem for him. He's the one who brings death to life. So Lord, we pray for it now, in amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna sing.